to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. So good to be in worship with you on this Sunday as we kick off our Advent season this year. Last Sunday at the 11 a.m. service, we had the opportunity and privilege to celebrate the installation of Ryan Jensen, our associate pastor for congregational care. If you missed it, You want to watch it or listen to it, you can on the church website. Last Tuesday also, there was a beautiful Presbyterian women's service in the evening. Morgan Burge preached a marvelous sermon. It was a beautiful service. You can also check that out on the church website. I do want you to know that next Sunday, December 10th at 4 p.m. in the big sanctuary, we have our annual Glory of Christmas Christmas concert. It's a fantastic celebration of the Christmas season, a real highlight of the year here at RPC. We invite you to come bring friends and family. Get here early. We're going to pack it out, but it's going to be a great, a great time, and I want you to know about that. Also during this Advent season, we've invited some of our members to offer reflections on their family's traditions of celebrating Advent as they prepare their hearts for Christmas. And so we're going to email those out every day. Uh, you can sign up on the church website, or you can go to the podcast feed because we have an, um, an audio version of those so you can listen to for those who can't read. Um, just I just want to see like what you'd say. <laughs> um, we are focusing in on, I've titled the series, Living Traditions. And one of the questions I'm really, I've really been interested about is, how do we keep a tradition that we're part of, how do we keep it vital, life-giving, energetic? How does it remain animating? How do we take that tradition and hand it on to the next generation of people who come after us? How do we pass on the joy and the wonder of a Christmas season and let it enhance and vibrate and give us life in life more than any other season maybe in the Christian year. Advent offers us an opportunity to enter into a meaningful and sacred time and season that can animate and energize our lives. I've chosen three passages today, both from the Old Testament and the New Testament. The first one comes from Isaiah chapter 9. Let's open our hearts, our minds, and our ears for the word of the Lord. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice. And with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Our passage from the New Testament comes from John. First in chapter 1 it begins, 
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And then later in the book, in John 8, Jesus says, And Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we ask that in the next few moments you might be a teacher. This is a perennial human problem. How do we deal with change? How do we be a part of a tradition that remains living and life-giving? And so I pray that you might shine a light into our darkness and so that we might put faith and trust that the darkness has not overcome it. Now may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, a rock and a redeemer. Amen. The famous Christian historian and theologian at Yale named Yaroslav Pelikan once said, Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. Tradition is the living faith of the dead. Let me say that again. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. Tradition is the living faith of the dead. How do we keep our faith alive and vital? How do we pass on the faith to the next generation? A faith that connects them to the past, but also prepares them for the future. How can our faith stay alive and vibrant? These are the questions I hope to ask and answer over the coming weeks. Knowing that I was going to be preaching on this theme of living traditions, I said, God, can you give me some examples to make this concrete? It can appear a little abstract, Give me something that, to make it concrete so we can wrap our minds around. The Lord answered my prayer when I was walking through Target just after Halloween. Yes, right after Halloween, I came across a display of Christmas decorations. I was intrigued to find these decorations celebrating the Advent season. So I went a little closer to take a closer look, and I said, thank you, Jesus. I saw a series of Advent calendars. The first one was Merry Fismas. It celebrates the 12 days of Christmas with 12 bath bombs and 12 mystery festive surprises. It's all brought to you by Da Bomb Bath Company. For those who don't have time to celebrate the 12 days of Christmas, they also offer a six-day version. Da Bomb Bath Company. Six bath bombs with festive fizzers and a surprise inside each one. For canine fans, there was an advent calendar for dogs with 24 delicious cookies. For your dog. For those looking to take care of themselves, there was an advent calendar with 12 days of wellness. For those of us who might be wrestling with too many wrinkles, there was an advent calendar with 12 days of masking. Now, I don't want you to think I'm some kind of Christmas Scrooge, that I don't care about moisturized skin, given treats to your dog, or I don't like bubble baths. But if you think that's all Advent is about, you're missing the point. 
You can always take a bubble bath. You, can, you should always give your dog treats. I'm in support of that. You should always take care of your skin. You should care about your wellness. But Advent cannot be reduced to that. It's not what it's essentially about. Advent points to the great truth that God intervened in human history in Jesus Christ. We worship the one in the manger, that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. That's what Advent is about. And so every year during Advent, as one of our helpful reminders, we have an Advent wreath. And there's some component parts to the Advent wreath. You have a wreath of greenery around the base, and then you have four candles on the outside. And those point to the great four themes of Advent. Faith, hope, love, and joy. Faith, as we, as we hear the story of Christmas, faith arises in our hearts. In the midst of so much suffering and grief and despair in the world, when we hear the story of Christmas, hope shines in. When we see a world full of hate and we read the Christmas story, we respond not with hate but with love. And who can't help themselves of witnessing this great truth of the Christmas story? Who can't help but joy spring from our hearts? And then at the center of the wreath, we have a big white candle. It's called the Christ candle. It was brought in as a part of the Advent wreath to remember the source of our faith, our hope, our love, and joy. They don't just come from mere optimism. Or because we're nice people. No, they're rooted in who we believe God to be revealed in Jesus Christ for us. That the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And so we practice this Advent tradition every year to remind ourselves while we're here amidst all of the, the busyness, the hubbub of shopping for gifts, decorating homes, traveling to see family and friends, going to parties, the Advent wreath reminds us what it's all about. Draws us back to the center of our faith. But practicing a, a living tradition doesn't mean the tradition will never change. In order to speak to new people, to meet new cultural challenges, in order to remain alive, we must change, we must innovate, we must adapt to meet the needs of our historical moment. This is why if you look at the history of the Advent wreath throughout history, they used to use, all the candles used to be white. There used to not be a Christ candle. Then they realized that they had to point to the source of our faith, hope, love, and joy. It comes from Jesus Christ. And that fuels the fire of our lives. Eventually they changed the colors to violet. And Advent was a time of penitence and repentance, and it got often confused with the season of Lent, which leads up to Easter. And so then they changed the, the colors of the candles to blue, which is our liturgical color for the season of Advent. People made challenges to the Advent wreath to meet the challenges of the moment. You know what? The colors of the candles don't matter so much as what's happening on top. That, that little flicker 
of light, that flame points to the light that shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. The light points to the true light that gives light to all people. One of the reasons I became Presbyterian, you know I wasn't raised Presbyterian, one of the reasons I became it is because the innovative way we deal with change. We have a motto, famous motto in the Presbyterian or Reformed tradition. Reformed and always reforming according to the word of God. We are reformed and always reforming according to the word of God. I love that. It's part of our theological identity as we're birthed out of the 16th century in the Protestant Reformation. We're reformed and always reforming. But guess what? We're not locked into the 16th century, thank heavens. We had to change. Adapt. We're reformed and always reforming. We have to We have to discern how God is calling us to change, to move, to adapt to a new historical moment, to new challenges. We have to discern how the Spirit is calling us to move forward. How do we do that? I was in conversation with a theologian once, and he said, why are you Presbyterian? I said, oh, we have this great motto about how we deal with change. We're reformed and always reforming. He says, that's true, but you've forgotten the second half. I said, I did. What, what's the second half? He says, yes, we're reformed and always reforming, but don't forget the second half. We're reformed and always reforming according to the word of God. We're, according to the word of God, God's word calls us forward how to change to adapt. In the Bible, the Old Testament, in anticipation, the New Testament, in witness, Jesus Christ at the center is the key to understanding how to interpret Scripture. Reformed and always reforming according to the word of God. This comes through prayer. Reading scripture, reflection, meditation. Talking to one another, our brothers and sisters in the family of faith. We are part of a living tradition. And that that tradition and change rarely comes through revolution. It's slow. It's gentle. It's bit by bit. This is one of the great images and reminders of the Advent wreath tradition. That it rarely in our life God works like a roaring wildfire. No, it's, it's like a little candle. Gently nudging over the years. Helping us become more hopeful, more faithful, more loving, more joy-filled. The Advent wreath is a reminder of that fact. It's a steady flame. It's not often a roaring wildfire. This is what the Advent wreath points to. This is what we desire. One of the great mysteries people in the church often think about is why during Christmas and Easter do people come back to church? Why do they come back? One of my favorite writers is the Pulitzer Prize winning writer Marilyn Robinson. An interviewer once asked her this question. Why do so many people who never come to church at any other time of the year come to church on Christmas and Easter? Listen to her response. I have a theory that the churches fill up on Christmas and Easter because it is on these days that the two most startling moments in the Christian narrative can be heard again. What gives them their power, she asks. They tell us that there is a great love that has intervened in history 
making itself known in the terms that are startlingly and inexhaustibly palpable to us as human beings. They are tales of love, lovingly enacted once and afterward cherished and retold by the grace of God, certainly because they are, after all, the narrative of an obscure life in a minor province. And then listen to this. Caesar Augustus was also said to be divine, but there aren't any songs about him. These traditions draw us back to the center of our faith, the heart of the Christian message, the one who comes in the manger, who walked the desert pathways of Palestine, the one who overcame death itself, lives and reigns. And because Christ lives, we are a part of a living tradition. Let's pray. Gracious, loving God, we thank you for the grace that's made your promises sure, that's drawn us into this tradition, this family of faith. Let us always remember to reform and be reformed according to the word of God. Lord, that we might reflect your light that shines in the darkness. Lord, we might trust that the darkness has not overcome it. In your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.